Do Good Charlotte is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Find out more at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. There's good all around us. Let's hear about it. Welcome to Do Good Charlotte on the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. I'm Pamela Escobar. In each Do Good Charlotte podcast, you will find out who's helping, who could use a helping hand, and just how you can spread around your own good. In this episode of Do Good Charlotte, we're going to meet Susanna Cavanaugh, the Executive Director of Least of These Carolinas. Least of These serves needy children and families in and around North Carolina with a primary focus on children and families in the foster kinship care community. The children they serve are referred through the Guardian Ad Litem volunteers, the Department of Social Services, and their church partners. And we'll inspire you to do good, Charlotte, by the various ways you can learn more about getting involved and supporting Least of These Carolinas. Susanna Cavanaugh, welcome to Do Good Charlotte. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yes. uh, Susanna, you have been a foster parent yourself for a long time. So explain how that inspired you to start Least of These Carolinas. So my husband and I, um, we had two biological children, and the doctor said, you're done, and I didn't think I was. (laughs) So that kind of sparked us into looking at other ways of of having more children and I just knew I wasn't done and so we looked into foster care Um, for a lot of people they don't understand that adoption through foster care is free okay so that's very important for people to know that that when you adopt a child through foster care it's free and so we couldn't go the international route just because of money and so that's kind of how we landed on um, foster care now I wouldn't say that's the best reason but that's how we landed there Um, And so we opened up our home and became foster parents, and we were foster parents to a little boy, and um, we had him for nine months. I had two girls, so this was like my dream come true. So this little boy was just just everything that that we wanted. Nobody showed up for him at court um, until the ninth month, and then kind of everything went, um, I I would say south, but it all turned out for the best. But he ended up going to live with um, an aunt and uncle. And we still have contact with him. It's a beautiful thing. But that's kind of how we fell into it. Now, I probably shouldn't tell you this, but right after that, I tore up the license and we all said, this hurts way too much and we don't want to do this anymore. Well, no, I was thinking, you're saying that's not the best reason to get into it. I I was thinking it's not an easy way to get it. I mean, I, I can understand adoption is the hope, but foster care is not an easy road. No, it's not. So when I tell you it's free... Financially, it's free. Emotionally, it's very costly. Yeah. And so um, the ups and downs and the roller coasters of court date to court date and what's going to happen and who's going to show up and is the plan going to change to adoption? Is it going to stay to reunification? It's like, nope, they don't really teach you that in the foster parenting classes, or at least they don't go over it as well as I think they should. Um, the, The receiving the child and losing the child or the child going to another home, a lot of times you would think that's the hardest part of foster care, but really it's all the in between. It's the not knowing, is mom and dad going to show up at court? Um, is there going to be just all kinds of things that happen from, from day to day that you just don't anticipate? The visits where you do have to do co-parenting, which I'm all for. But for our little boy that we had, that was another meeting that his mom and dad didn't show up for. Aww. And so for him, it was a crying, leaving the building. Why did they not come? Why didn't they want me? Why don't they want to see me? So it's all the emotional stuff that goes with it. And um, just not knowing, the unknown of knowing what's going to happen in the end. And yes, your your heart just falls in love with these children. 
and you want to keep them forever and ever and ever. But I say going into it with more of an open mind of what's best for the child. And, and I can say we, we weren't there. I mean, we just wanted him. <laughs> so yeah, we weren't necessarily in it for, for what we thought was best for him. But God showed us later that that was what was best for him and worked it all out. I mean, he's now 12 years old. He was two at the time. He comes to see me and we hang out. And I'm kind of like that cool aunt. You know, I can give him all this candy and send him back home. So it Aww. works out well. Yeah, and and I would say personal growth-wise, you learned a ton along the way, right? Because it starts from, I'm a biological mom of two girls, then you get your boy, mm-hmm. and then all the roller coaster ride along with that. And just being a parent, too. I mean, day-to-day, there's a lot of work associated with being a parent to anybody. <laughs> yes, yes. It's a lot of work. And so we kind of walked away from fostering and tore up our license. And probably a year later, it's, it just wouldn't, I couldn't shut it off. It was like I knew I was supposed to be doing something in this foster care world. And so um, I talked to my husband. I said, well, what if we just do respite? Like, we can't get our hearts broken if we're just babysitting for these kids. Like, there's no way, right? They're not going to, like, live with us. They're just going to stay with us for a little bit, and we're going to give them back. And so we signed up to do respite um, for a weekend. And respite is what it's, for people don't, who don't know? So respite is babysitting basically for foster parents. You're giving them a break um, because you have to have, um, you know, certain criteria has to be met for the kids to be able to be left with you. And so we had met that criteria. And um, Mom and Papa, that's what I call them. But these are 70-year-old grandparents that only take babies and they only foster. So if there's somebody out there going, I couldn't be a foster parent, I need to, you need to meet Mama and Papa. But anyway, uh, she called me and she had three babies um, from six months to 18 months. And she said, I need respite. And I was like, okay, sure. How hard can it be? I mean, I'm this young, you know, I can take on the world mom. And oh my gosh, it was the worst 24 hours of our lives. I mean, it was just like the babies. I know you think, (laughs) you think the six month old is like cute, but not when she like projectile vomits on you and then nobody wants to hold her. Um, and then there was an 18 month old and she was cute, but she was into everything. And then there was this 12 month old in the middle and same thing into everything. And you're watching all three at the same time. Yes. Yes. But she does it daily. So I thought this can't be that hard. And it was, she is a gift from God. If she can do that, (laughs) it was, but anyway, long story short, the 12-month-old that we watched that weekend would later become our daughter. Aww. And so um, really my husband fell in love with her and just um, one thing led to another and she became available for adoption. And so at, at the age of two, um, she became ours and she's eight now. So, um, And that is not the only way that we uh, adopted. We adopted a son. So later on, um, he was 18 and he came to live with us and... Um, now you can age out at 21, but back then you um, you pretty much aged out at 18 unless you were in a home. And so he had chosen to be in our home as foster parents. But anyway, we fell in love with him, and um, I finally got my boy. So that boy, he just came a little later than most. So um, at age 19, we adopted him as an adult. Um, he's 24 now, works at Bank of America, owns his ho- own home, he's married, and now they're foster parents. So um, so I did finally get my boy. I just waited a little longer, but... Um, you you know. must be so proud. Oh, man, so proud. He's, he's a go-getter. Graduated from UNC Charlotte, just was not going to, you know, follow down that same path that his family had taken, and so he just chose to be different. And uh, him and his wife are just uh, just beautiful little family. With um, they have a little placement now, and she's just so sweet. So I'm a foster Gigi, I guess. Foster Gigi, <laughs> I like That's that. Right. So foster Gigi, 
you learned a ton along the way. Mm-hmm. And then you said, how can I help other families? So I guess it came to, I can't take any more children into my home. I mean, our home was full, and what else can we do? Um, a friend of mine, Michelle Buchanan, was a fellow foster parent, and she was going through something kind of tough, um, fighting for a child that had been in her home, and we kind of met um, together. And that kind of just set the sequence of events that one thing led to another, and we finally said, well, what can we do? And um, we realized the system is absolutely broken. Nobody can tell you it's, it, the, it's just so broken. Um, but at the end of the day, it's not the kid's fault. And so Michelle looked at me and said, we have to do something because it's not the kid's fault that the system's broken. And if we don't do anything, then who will? And so we knew then we needed to do something. And so we just started doing practical things, you know, what we knew we needed as foster parents. So quickly we started our Bag of Hope program and making sure that the kids um, normally would come to your doorstep with a black trash bag. But within a couple days now, if you've put in a request with us, we get you a bag of hope, and it's a really large duffel bag. And the name of the child is embroidered in their favorite color. Their favorite things are in that bag because that's one thing that gets lost. Nobody asks these kids what they want. And so they're used to getting handed, I guess, the necessities. And we, we give them the necessities, but we want them to know that there was extra thought into this. Like, we know that your favorite color is purple and that um, – princesses are your favorite too and so we've made sure that your brand new pajamas in your bag are princess and your underwear is princess and your shampoo is princess we just try and pull out all the stops because we want them to know how very special they are and to start restoring that hope almost immediately of everything that has been taken from them and then children usually move from home to home to home unfortunately Um, that's usually what happens in our system and so this bag gives them something to put their things in and move from place to place um, so we started doing that. Um, Christmas was a big issue. We, we met with our local, we, I'm in Gaston County, that's where I'm from. So we went with DSS and what's your biggest need? And they just said Christmas. It's really, you know, Christmas Eve, we're running around like chickens with their heads cut off and we can't make, we want to make sure all these kids have Christmas. And so we developed a program called 12 Hours of Christmas and it's a huge event. We're going to be having it for the sixth year in a row now and we're going to take care of over 500 kids. Wow. And so just, um, so least of these just kind of grew and the programs were all developed based on what the foster parents have told us that they need what we knew as foster parents that we needed and then it come alongside social services and what they felt like they needed from us and so um, now that we we have a camp for kids in foster care um, we have a brand new we give them brand new shoes right before they go back to school making sure they have their school supplies things like that so it's just kind of grown into this thing that's way bigger than I ever thought it would be. Well, that's what I was going to say. It started out with like almost like bake sales on Facebook to get pajamas or something, right? <laughs> that's what you said? It did. I make these famous cinnamon rolls from oh, sourdough. <laughs> and yes, and that's really what it started off was just like, yeah, and we were so excited. The first pan of cinnamon rolls, we got to buy a car seat and we were so excited. And um, I know it's crazy now. I mean, we had our first barbecue and I think we raised $2,500 and I thought we were rolling in the dough. I thought, oh my gosh. 
But um, and from there, just um, grants we've been able to get, and just uh, just incredibly generous donors that support us. Um, Lisa, these Carolinas has never been in debt. We own our own building, although we're starting to look for a new space because we're filling that one up pretty well. Um, but we've never had debt, so I kind of God and I kind of have this side deal. Like if you keep on making the money come in, then I'll keep doing this. But as soon as it dries up, I've, I'm out of here. But so far, um, you know, when we least expect it, but when we need it the most, um, those donors come through and our community comes through for these kids. And that just gives me such hope. Um, so I'm just curious, how did you get the name? Because, you know, when you're starting out with the selling the cinnamon rolls, you didn't have a name then. You were just, you, you were trying to fulfill a certain need at that time. So how did it grow even from that to, to, to having an organization, I'm guessing you're a five hundred one. We are all that stuff. So how did you do that? We are well. Least of these comes from from the Bible, Matthew twenty five forty. When you've done unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. Um, and so we feel like the least of these, who the world would consider the least of these, I don't consider these kids the least of these. I, I think they're just like at the top or or whatever. But um, but anyway, that's where our name came from. And we started off least of these Gaston because I really had no plans or didn't think that we would ever be able to support more than just the county I lived in. Um, but as we grew and we got more requests for more kids and finding out that, you know, there may be three kids in one home, but they're from different counties. Well, I can't go and deliver a bag of hope to a Gaston County kid and look at Mecklenburg County and say, I don't have anything for you. I just, I couldn't do that. And so I said, well, we're going to have to just, you know, spread out. And so we became least of these Carolinas, hoping that will, you know, contain us and we'll be able to <laughs> serve that. Um, it, at our camp, we serve about 15 or 16 counties in North Carolina. We bus them in from the coast. So we truly are reaching outside of not just the immediate counties that touch Gaston County, but way further um, out. And Mecklenburg County is a bigger piece. Um, there's almost 600 kids in Mecklenburg County DSS custody. So um, there's got to be some more funding for that. And so we've really used this last year to really start, um, even though we've been um, taking care of the kids in Mecklenburg County, we just haven't been able to take care of all of them on such a grand scale. And so this year we've really worked on getting into Charlotte and trying to get those supporters that we need so that we can take care of the kids right here in Mecklenburg County. You do have a lot of supporters, and I noticed you have a store online, and I really like this store. Do you? I do. You know why? Because it's not um, its not selling me something I don't need. Yeah. <laughs> so t tell people what the store is. So the store is our programs, basically. So right. if you wanted to go and buy a bag of hope, well, then you just it tells you the suggested donation and what it would cover for a bag of hope. Or if you wanted to send a kid to camp, it tells you how much that costs. So, yeah, we have a couple of sweatshirts out there and that kind of stuff. But really, it's to fund our programs. And we want you to know exactly how much money uh, we're putting back into these kids. I mean, this year's budget was $350,000. That's it. And, and, and we've, we've already taken care of well over 500 kids in our Bags of Hope program. We're going to take care of over 500 for Christmas. So we do a whole lot with a little tiny bit. Yeah, <laughs> so. a little tiny bit. How do you find your families? They find us. Okay. <laughs> so, um, but social workers do uh, referrals, guardian ad litem. But um, what I always told my staff, well before they were even staffed, just volunteers, and, and many of our folks that work for us are still volunteers, is, guys, I really think if we do our job well, 
then we won't have to advertise to the families that we want to serve. And that's really what's happened is because we've done our job really, really well. Those bags are, um, the foster parents get them, they're blown away. And, you know, what else can you help me with? Is there anything else I can get help with? And so it's really been word of mouth. And, and I feel like we've just done a really good job of taking care of those foster families. And so really it's, they tell their friends and their friends tell their friends. And so before you know it, um, we really don't have a whole lot of, of problem with finding the kids to serve. Well, you have a big event coming up, so we're going to talk about that after the break. This is Pamela Escobar. You're listening to Do Good Charlotte. After the break, you'll hear more about the upcoming talent show and how you can see the show and do good for children in foster care. How many servings of fruits and vegetables should you be eating? This is a 60-second wellness tip powered by Ortho Carolina. The magic number is five. Three servings of vegetables and two servings of fruits have been connected to lower risk of certain cancers, stroke, and heart disease. Fruits and vegetables are a great source of essential vitamins and minerals in addition to plenty of fiber to maintain a healthy gut and reduce the risk of colon cancer. And they're high in vitamin C and potassium. If five servings seems like a lot, consider starting your daily vegetables with your first meal of the day. Snack on fruits and vegetables instead of whatever your current go-to snacks are. Use vegetables as the main ingredients in other dishes like baked goods and chili, and whenever you can, get fresh vegetables, especially in the summer when they are in season. This has been your 60-second wellness tip powered by Ortho Carolina, official team physicians of the Carolina Panthers and proud sponsor of the Queen City Podcast Network. For more tips or to make an appointment, visit orthocarolina.com. So I was asking you, do you ever get to meet the kids who get your bags? So you were saying that if it's a school-age child, they're at school, so you might not be able to. Someone else is going to pick up the bag. But toddlers and little ones? Yes, and we um, let them open them right there. And it's just um, it's so sweet um, because these kids – First of all, to be taken into foster care, I think people think it's pretty easy. Um, I always say, my mama always said, don't spank your your babies at Walmart because DSS will come get them. Well, that's really not the case, okay? So it's just not that easy. It's really hard to get your kids taken. And mostly in this area, it's drugs, just so you know. it's it's There is some abuse, but normally it's it's because of drug or, drugs or alcohol. Or neglect, Or right? neglect. It's neglect. Um, I don't know if that's any better, but it makes me feel just a little bit better that there's not these horrific, horrific, things that are happening to kids it's usually because of addictions that, of the parents that they're exposed to they ne- that they're seeing that they're they're normal is nowhere near what anybody can fathom no you can't fathom I mean their normal is police showing up and that's you know no big deal to them um, but anyway so to see them open up this bag and it's like is is this for me like this is for me and I do remember um, and it's been a couple years ago and I just knew that the little boy, um, something horrific had happened at his home. And um, one of his siblings had been killed. Oh. And so within days, he was in our office picking up his bag. And um, a lot of times we don't, because of confidentiality, know what's going on. But for this one, we kind of we did. And um, the, the caregiver kind of pulled me aside and, and told me, you know, because it had been all in the paper. And I just sat there and just sobbed because I thought, Wow, 
And he's smiling in my office now. And so if I could get, just give that little piece of hope back to that little boy who had been through something horrific days before, then, you know, it's worth it. What we do is worth it. And so, and that's why we keep going is because we may be the only light that these kids see and the only hope that they get. And so I want to keep, keep doing that and making that difference for these kids. So yeah, if we get to meet the kids, that is the perk. Any babies that come in the office, they know you have to go by the executive director's office. I get to hold all babies. Um, so, but that's the fun part of the job is being able to see the kids and, and enjoy their, you know, getting to see them open those bags is a lot of fun. Yeah. And I love that they're called bags of hope because that's what you're doing. You're giving them hope. So if people want more kids in foster care to have bags of hope, you are having a talent show. So tell me about that. When's it happening and what's going on? We are November 16th. Um, at the Blumenthal's at the Booth Playhouse. And so our idea behind this was we want to be able to provide bags of hope for all 600 kids in one fell swoop. Well, that's a ton of money, okay? Um, and the bag is like 150 or uh, that's the suggested yeah, price, right? In today's economy, uh, they told me the other day, you need to stop telling people 150. It's really more like 200. I mean, okay. it's really Good hard to, to, to get a bag of hope in, uh, with $150, especially with the older kids and if they need shoes or, or that kind of thing, that it's just expensive. Um, but anyway, so we came up with Charlotte Has Talent. And um, I, just we have a great team, and we just kind of came up with this idea of, of, of having this talent show, and not just a talent show of anybody, but like the who's who of Charlotte. And I say that with a snicker because <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you if you would think they're the who's who's, but it's pretty much whoever said yes uh, <laughs> to our request. Um, but we tried to include um, folks like Eric Thomas. He's a meteorologist. And Eric Thomas has his own show every Tuesday night about forever families and trying to find forever families for children in foster care. So Eric Thomas said yes. Um, What's he going to do? Uh, he is going to play the piano. Okay. But okay. he has a soloist, a special soloist. Her name is Jensen Gunnan. She was adopted at four years old from foster care, and she's now 13. Aww. So he thinks he's going to steal the show with his secret weapon. Well, the story um, alone, it's pretty good. It is pretty good. Um, to tell you about how many times kids get moved, she was four years old or came into care about three years old, and by the time she was four, she'd been moved ten times. Wow. So people think, oh, a little one won't be moved, but her her siblings they were moved 10 times so but anyway Jensen will be singing with him so that'll be fun um and it's been a fun time for her to to get to know him and just it's really a neat connection uh John Aaron's another weatherman he is going to do his um, Frank Sinatra impersonation oh okay I know uh city councilman um uh Tark and Larkin. I don't know if you know Tark and Bakari and, yeah. and Larkin Eagleson. Um, I don't really know what they're going to do. But they're I'm, teaming up? They're teaming up together because they do this podcast together. And That's so they're going to team true. up and do this thing together. Um, then we've got QCB. I don't know if you know who QCB is. He does um, Fox, uh, the news, sports, okay, whatever. Great. He's on the edge a lot, um, that kind of thing. We've got uh, Jonathan Stewart, former Panther. So nice. he's, that's amazing to have him there. Um, and then we have uh, Miss Cherie Berry, the awesome. elevator lady. Okay. But also... The, the real one? The real one. Okay, because there's someone else <laughs> who pretends to be her. <laughs> this is the real one? Um, her she, face is... She's, she has to be one of the most famous people in North Carolina because she's in every elevator you've ever been. And th that's really how she landed on our show. We were riding in an elevator on our way to a meeting about <laughs> Charlotte Has Talent. And I was like, oh my gosh, wouldn't it be a hoot if this lady in this elevator would do... And so anyway, she said yes. Um, she actually... Uh, her grandson was adopted from foster care. So there's always a that's backstory. A great story. 
Yeah. So Cherie's helping us out there. Um, so I think I said all the acts. There's seven of them. And you have MCs. Your we MCs are Morgan Fogarty. And Natalie Stewart. So Jonathan's wife, Natalie, is going to help us out there. And uh, it's just going to be a really fun night. Um, but it's all about raising funds for Bags of Hope. So there's several ways. You can come to the event. The tickets are from $25 to $50, so very inexpensive. Um, you can choose one of those contestants and say, you know what? I really want Eric Thomas to win. By the way, right now, Eric Thomas is winning. Um, so you could say, I want to donate to, to Eric's page. Sherry Berry's can... team got to start stepping it up. Then. That's Well, she's in second. <laughs> oh, she's she in is. second. Okay. <laughs> yes, yes, she's in second. So, um, yeah, so you can go to our website and you can actually donate. And all of this goes straight to bags, our Bags of Hope program. Great. Um, so just uh, to come out and support. And uh, the reason we reached out to the news folks and that kind of stuff is really to get the word out there too is to educate so I never want to have an event without educating people on foster care and so that's part of what we're trying to do too is to share with people that everybody can do something for kids in foster care you may not can be a foster parent even though I could probably talk to you about that I think probably you could but um but there's other things you can do and helping with these bags of hope and and volunteering with us it just all makes a huge difference in these kids lives yeah I'm just thinking about uh, that story where you're saying she was moved 10 times. I mean, just as a mom, like I'm, routine is so important, like having consistency. And so there's no consistency when you're doing that. I mean, let alone like where the bathroom is to know where to brush your teeth is going to change constantly. Like developing good habits, like all that. That's so, that must be so challenging. Both I, for them, obviously, but then also they're coming into your home and trying to get them acquainted with yeah. everything. I asked Jensen, I was like, what, what did you think? And she said, I just thought this was life. I just thought yeah. we just moved every couple months and that's what every kid did. She said, I just didn't know that that's not um, what you really don't know happened. what you don't know. Exactly. And my son, uh, in his four years of high school, he went to six different high schools. How do you, how do you graduate from high school changing schools that much? But, um, but he, he did was and he went to college. He did. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's possible, but, but it's nice to have just show them that there's a support network there's people. I think what's also interesting about your group is you have a support groups or you, you can help people, foster parents connect with those organizations too. So you have a ton of programs. We couldn't possibly talk about all of no. them, but I think, I mean, you can go to the website and see all those things, which is what, what is the website? L O T carolinas.com. Okay. And on the, but I thought that was helpful. I thought that that being that resource, that connection, because they Obviously, if you're in foster care, you're working with some sort of government agency and they're helping you, but you guys are there to sort of fill in those gaps. Right, to fill in the gaps where the government can't necessarily do that. One thing to note, and I, t I tell people this, is that what the government allows these families funding-wise per week, it would cost you more to board a dog in Charlotte. So you need to understand that. So I think sometimes people think, oh, these foster parents are getting rich. And maybe some of them are making money. I don't really know how they would do that. Um, but some of them may be doing it for the money. But that's not what we see on a constant basis. And that's not the folks that we serve. We're serving foster parents that do it for the right reasons and are out there doing the hard stuff every day. And we're just trying to support them and support the kids, making sure that the kids have what they need. Right. And I'm guessing there's things that only foster parents have to – It's it's a little different than traditional parenthood, right? I mean, it's a lot different. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot different. And having a support group is so important because I, I, other parents just don't get it. 
and, and they're really good at giving advice that yeah. we really aren't we all aren't we all good at pretending to know other people's circumstances right and then so you you just have to be careful as a foster parent who you trust you you know if you haven't been through it it's really hard to give advice but so that those support groups are very important to them because they're people that are living it and they know what what it's like to be a foster parent so that's really really important because um, what I'm thinking is is again as a mother of two biological daughters if I was going to welcome someone else in, there, there's got to be challenge. It's not just an adjustment for me. It's adjustment for all of us. Oh, it's right? a huge adjustment. It's a huge adjustment. And you have to make sure your biological children are ready for that. I mean, we had to have lots of talks with our girls about, you know, are you ready for this? And, you know, that kind of thing. And um, even when we adopted those two, just sitting down with our biological girls and are you okay with this? And, you know, we're probably going to do it anyway, but let, we want to hear your feelings about it and we want to validate that. But understanding that, you know, the birth order, forget it. You're like shaking... <laughs> I just forget birth order in my family because it's like my oldest girl. Well, now now my son's the oldest. It's just like, you know, and then my youngest was taken over by the other. Anyway, there's no birth order and there's it's just crazy. Um, right. Well, there's the ages that they are and then the time they entered your family. Exactly. So they're, they're two totally different things. Yeah. Yeah, it's very, very, it's, you know, you just learn to, to go with it. But yeah, my son, who's the oldest, has been in our family the least amount of time. Right. So it's a little bit funny, but anyway, but, and I would just urge people to become foster parents or to think about becoming foster parents. So if anybody has any questions, they can reach out to me, they can email us. Um, we have a 411 document that we share with folks that are, it just kind of answers all those questions like, well, do I get paid? Because I don't want to ask that, but I, I, I don't want to get paid, but I want to make sure I can take care of the children. And so, yeah, you get you get a stipend. It's not very much, but you get a stipend. Um, you know, do they have medical? Yes, they have medical. You don't have to worry about medical. And so there's a lot of just education that goes into what's it like to be a foster parent or what, what does it take. And so I just urge people to really um, pray about that and think about, is that my part? Like I know at first thought is, oh, I could never do that. But trust me. It's you, you could and really think about that and reach out to us because we can definitely educate you on that. There's great organizations and great uh, licensing agencies out there. You do not have to be licensed through the county, even though that's a great possibility and a great place. But there's a ton of um, private agencies that would be welcome to license you. Um, we really don't care who you get licensed through. We just want you to get licensed because there's too many kids in foster care and there's not enough homes. Um, my son at age 13 was placed in a homeless shelter in Charlotte because there wasn't enough homes. I wish it had gotten better since then. It hasn't. And so some of these kids, especially if you're a teenager and you're coming into DSS custody, you're probably spending the night there for a couple nights because they're probably not going to find a home for you. Um, so, and then just think about that. Think about you've been taken from everything and now nobody wants you. There's nowhere for you to go. Um, and so just folks need to really think about that. And is foster parenting in your wheelhouse? And if it's even maybe a little bit, maybe you think you might could, just call us and we'll talk you through it and we'll talk to you more about it. Yeah, and if they want to just put their toe in the water, they can just go online because there are a ton of resources yes. on your website. And then obviously if they want to call and meet you, they can as well. And yes. you have a huge staff. And I know it's staff slash volunteers. Yes. And then you also love getting volunteers too. We do. So tell me what a volunteer can do um, 
if, if they reach out to your organization? So there's a normal event volunteer and all of that's on our website. You can fill out a volunteer form. And if you're only available on the weekends, then we're probably going to just stick you in our database and you're going to get an email about our Christmas event and any weekend events that we have. But if you're available during the week, our hours are nine to two Monday through Thursdays. And so there's no telling what you'll be doing right now on Wednesdays. We don't have anybody to answer the phone. And I know that seems like such a trivial thing, but it's a huge thing for us to have somebody sitting at that front desk and, and answering phones and greeting foster parents and, and, and being the face, I guess, of least of these for that day. So there's all kinds of ways. Um, I will warn you, it's hazard, you know, fair warning. A lot of our volunteers become foster parents, so it's a little <laughs> dangerous, but, uh, but no, we welcome any and all volunteers because we really, it takes a village. It takes so many people to, to help these kids. And so if, if anybody wants to help just to connect with us and we can put them in the right place. Well, and those hours are super conducive to moms. Cause I am I, one. <laughs> yeah, no. So Monday through Thursday, nine to two, kid, drop the kids off at school and they can swing by and help out if they, if they um, are looking for something to do. So right. I love that. Mm -hmm. You've helped over 2,500 kids in six years. Did you ever, I mean, a, no, one pan of, of, no, <laughs> you know, swir like cinnamon buns is not going to, you would never think that you I would have never thought. Yeah. Mm -mm. And it's just, and I probably would have said no if I had known all of this. I probably would have been like, you know what? No, I don't think that's. But you know what? We just keep growing, and and God keeps blessing, and so we just keep saying yes. And we don't ever want to say no to a kid in need, and so that's why we continue to get out there and pound the payment, if you will, and try and raise more funds and raise more um, attention for these kids. And um, on behalf of the children in foster care, thank you for having me today oh, um, because they are the kind of the invisible children. You're not probably going to be able to meet them or talk to them, um, but they are so grateful um, for anybody that will just pay attention to them and just um, know that they are there and they are so appreciative. Um, they are not... Um, some, sometimes people think kids have a wrong attitude or whatever, but for the most part, the kids we serve are so grateful because they've never had um, the things that we've been able to offer them. Um, we provided um, brand new shoes, I think, uh, in the last six months for a teenage girl. It was the first time she had ever had name brand shoes. And she, I think she was 13 years old. First time she'd ever had name brand shoes. Um, and then at one of our Shoes of Hope events, I remember this little girl, we were walking out. And she sat on the steps and she started to take her brand new shoes off. And our little, our guide that was with her said, what, what are you doing? And she said, I have to give these back, right? Oh. And I was like, no, no, sweetie. But that's where these kids come from. They're not used to this. And so just making them feel good um, at Christmas time or right before they go back to school, making them feel normal and just helping them fit in a little bit more in their new circumstances, what we're all about and just loving on them. What I love too that I, I read on your website is that you're not about perfection, you're about passion. Mm -hmm. What have you learned from some of your mistakes or your setbacks? Um, funny story. Um, <laughs> I guess it's a funny story. And, and there in the beginning, it was like any way to raise money and raise awareness, we were there. And so um, I remember 4th of July, the first year, it was a downtown thing in Gastonia. It was hot as blue blazes. I mean, it was so hot. And we sold lemonade for like 50 cents a cup. I mean, it was crazy. And like this big thunderstorm came through. It was just awful. I mean, it was just awful. <laughs> and at the end of the night, I counted all that money. 
and we had raised $250. And I looked at my husband and I said, I'm pretty sure I could have talked somebody and write me a check for $250. I will never do that again. <laughs> so I think what we've learned is to, yes, every donation is important and every, but we just, where, where do we put our energy? We yes. want to put our energy where we get the most back out of it. And so one of those things we're trying is Charlotte has talent and it may, it will be entertaining. I can tell you Charlotte oh, has talent. Be It'll be entertaining. You have a good lineup. But um, but if it doesn't raise the money, I don't know if we'll do it again. I just don't know. So we just keep trying new things. We're not afraid to make mistakes. We're not afraid to say, you know what, that didn't work so well, so let's go on to something else. Um, some things we do work really, really well. Our programs seem to do really, really well. So now we're working on the donors and the fundraising and the writing the grants and all that. But, um, but we're getting a lot more right, I think, at this point, six years in, than we were in the beginning. Um, yeah, spending a whole day working on this event versus selling lemonade for 50 cents. Yeah. You've, you're, yeah, I've come a long way. That's a long way, (laughs) long way. Yes. Yes. So, but, um, that's what happens when you start a nonprofit. It's you just learn as you go and you figure out what works and what doesn't work and just move on. If it doesn't work, you don't, you know, can't waste time about it. Can't cry about it. It's just kind of keep going. Right. But it's all about those kids. It is. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you so much for coming today. It was so nice to meet you. No problem. Do you know someone else like Susanna who's doing good in our community? Let me know. Tell me about someone or a nonprofit organization that should be heard on Do Good Charlotte. Reach out to me, Pamela Escobar, on social media. I'm Reporter Pam on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Or go to the Queen City Podcast Network page and fill out the contact form for Do Good Charlotte. There's good all around us. Let's hear about it. I'm Pamela Escobar. Thanks for listening to Do Good Charlotte on the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina.